0: Hi again everybody, I'm Dan Horde, and this is the Bengals Booth Podcast, the rock their world edition. We discuss one of the more tumultuous weeks in Bengals history and get you set for Sunday's game in Baltimore. Coming up, an in-depth conversation with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham, including his thoughts on the firing of Terrell Austin, Marvin Lewis taking over the defense and the return of Hugh Jackson. And speaking of Hugh, We'll hear what he had to say to reporters about coming back to Cincinnati. I often include one of my interviews with a player on this podcast, but in this episode, you'll hear a conversation between Lap and right tackle Bobby Hart. Bobby's always a thoughtful interview, but he really opens up when talking shop with a former offensive lineman. And in this week's Know the Foe segment, we'll talk to a former Baltimore linebacker who can not only discuss what's going on with the current Ravens, but can also describe from experience exactly what it's like to play for defensive coordinator Marvin Lewis. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. It's the greatest invention since the rear window defroster. If you're listening in the Cincinnati area, you know we had freezing rain on Wednesday night into Thursday morning, and anybody that had to park their car outside was undoubtedly happy to press that button on the dashboard and have coils melt the ice on their rear window. But answer me this. Why hasn't somebody invented something similar for the windshield? It would have to be see-through so that your vision wouldn't be impaired, but that doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. If we can put a man on the moon, we can surely invent a better windshield defroster. Come on, smart people. Prove me right. All right, let's get to football. As the saying goes, desperate times call for desperate measures. After giving up 51 points to the Saints last Sunday and 130 over their last three games, an average of 43 points a game, Marvin Lewis pulled the plug on defensive coordinator Terrell Austin and announced that he would handle those duties himself. There's only one other current head coach who serves as his own defensive coordinator in the NFL, and that's the Vikings' Mike Zimmer. Marvin explained the move on Monday by saying, quote, I just felt like we had to rock their world, shake things up a bit. End of quote. I discussed the move and a crazy week with my broadcast partner. Dan Hoard with Dave Lapham. The Bengals have a new defensive coordinator, Marvin Lewis. He's taking over after Terrell Austin was fired on Monday. It's interesting, Lap. You made a comment several weeks ago about the Bengals defense saying you didn't think there was any cohesion, and now they've made this move. And I didn't really get the sense when the players were talking about it that anybody was too upset that Terrell Austin was let go.
1: Yeah, it, it was almost like they were expecting it, you know, particularly after the performance against the Saints. And I'm not going to say, you know, it's a relief to them. I think that might be a little bit strong, but I think they knew that something had to happen. And, um, you know, it, obviously the performance that uh, that unfolded against the New Orleans Saints is not NFL caliber. I mean, when you let, an, let a, an offense score nine straight possessions on you and seven of those nine possessions were eight plays or more, three first downs or more I mean you are you're not even putting up any resistance and I'm not even counting you know that last possession because they you know took a knee and kneeled down but it's just amazing to allow a football team to do anything they want they threw for 200 ran for 200 I mean they had they had over 20 first downs on like 40 snaps in the first half it was it was ludicrous so something had to happen I mean there's there's too much talent. Again, people that I talk to around the league, they're all like, what's going on? Our coaches would love to have some of the talent on that defensive football team. We can't figure out what is happening. What is it? What is it? And I'm like, I, I wish I could tell you. If I could tell you, it'd make a lot of money because it solved the problem. But it it was the, it was the oddest thing. And um, I don't know. It was like, you know, the hand never fit the glove or vice versa. It just, it just never happened. And Marvin Lewis just got tired of seeing what he was seeing on the sideline and the um, – the defense, they weren't even running to the ball anymore because they were confused and apprehensive. And when that happens, you know, now you're not going to – if you're in the wrong place, you're dead from the snap, before the snap. But if you're in the right place and you're still not sure, if you're not confident and not sure, you're not going to tackle people. You're not going to make plays. And that's where they were, and that had to change. Hugh
0: Jackson is back. What's his role going to be, and how do you think it will go over with the players and coaches?
1: I think his role is going to be, you know, like an administrative assistant to the head coach on game day, game management stuff, clock management, um, deciding on replays when the offense is out there uh, to challenge a replay or whatever the case may be. If, if Marvin is is tied up with the defensive football team, you know, in a huddle on a grease a grease pad with those guys, I think those kind of things. And I think uh, I think you will have some some input uh, with Marvin on the defense. I mean, Marvin trusts Hugh uh, and trusts his football acumen. And uh, the thing about Hugh Jackson, every position that he was with here, including the defensive side of the football as assistant in the secondary, assistant, special teams, everybody get better. Receivers had the best year they've ever had. Quarterback Andy Dalton had the best year ever had when Hugh was coordinator. Running backs improved. I mean, he, he's a good football coach. I mean, he's certainly proven that here. And the other thing with Hugh, Dan, is uh, he's coached on the coaching staff, three out of the four teams in the division. Cleveland head coach with the with the uh, Baltimore Ravens' he's quarterback coach Joe Flacco, he went and scouted him at Delaware, and of course he went the Bengals multiple times. And Marvin Lewis made a good point: not only his knowledge of the division, because he's you know he he tied uh, tied Pittsburgh and beat Baltimore already, involved in those game plans, but all, all the teams they play in the AFC West, he's already game planned in, against teams like the Oakland Raiders, you know. Uh, And teams like the Denver Broncos, the L.A. Chargers, those three, they play the AFC West three games in a row after they they play uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. They go to the AFC West and they come back and finish at Cleveland and at Pittsburgh. So Hugh's going to have a major, major impact and a voice in the game plans for all of those games because he's already done it up in Cleveland.
0: Lap, as of December 9th last year, the Bengals had the longest streak of any team in the NFL of holding opponents under 30 points. They did it for 22 consecutive games. The Bears ended the streak by scoring 33 on December 10th. Since then, in 13 games, teams are averaging 30.7 points against the Bengals. Most of the good players are still here. Injuries have been a factor. But shouldn't this defense be at least pretty good? no question Dan. i mean I,
1: I think it's it's stunning to me when i look at when i look at what it looked like in training camp when they were running around like crazy incompletions you know they were told those are like fumbles go pick them up and score you know we want to have a takeaway mentality we want to run to the football we want everybody moving the football i thought wow man they're they're buying what uh, coach austin's selling here you know they look they look pretty good at training camp and look decent you know during the preseason and then for whatever reason it just it just stopped I mean it just kind of fell apart I think there was too much gray area guys just weren't sure you know it's like okay do I on this look do I do this or do I do that and when that happens all of a sudden you're not playing fast anymore you're apprehensive you know you're passive and you're not aggressive and um you know a, a an athlete that's lost his confidence is a guy that's not going to win, you know, snaps. There's no question about it. And if you're not confident in exactly what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it, when you're supposed to do it, and all that goes along with it, you're in trouble. And to me, it looked like everybody was starting to get tentative. It was like, ooh, make sure before I move. Too late. It's over. Um, And and then everybody started, there was some unrest about it. You know, look. It it looked very much like when Ken who was coaching the offense. Too much information, too many what-ifs. Just line up, just have one thing to look at, trust your eyes, and go. Don't let your eyes get crossed up. Don't go cross-eyed and like, oh, what am I looking at? And, you know, the other factor is, obviously, you look at the offenses they played. You know, Kansas City, New Orleans, Tampa Bay can really throw it. They, they have faced some prolific offenses with some unbelievable speed, and when they motion. With all the speed they're motioning with, it's like, oh man, the strength of formation was here. Now it's here. What happens now when that strength goes away from me? I have to do. And then they're snapping the football. It's like, oh, you know, you're in trouble. So the speed of it, and when when an offense is playing fast, like New Orleans and Kansas City, you have to play fast, and they weren't. And then they missed a bunch of tackles. You know, when they were in position because of the athleticism and the uncertainty, I think of the players, it, it carries over. They weren't tackling. They weren't finishing people. So it just snowballed and. I think, um, you know, Marvin Lewis made a great point at, training, at, at the uh, press conference that he had when he, he said guys were coming off the field to the sideline. And they were looking at me like, I need help. Throw me a lifeline. He said, You know, you as a former player, you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about. I've been in games, down 30, nothing from the sideline, look at the coach like, Man, what's going on? Help. Help me, you know? And he was seeing that. Universally amongst the players coming to the sideline, and it didn't look like it was going well between the coaches and the players, and you know, and and it fell on the shoulders of the guy calling the plays, and everybody suits dirty, but unfortunately, Coach Austin was the one that paid because he was a he was the coordinator.
0: The Bengals head to Baltimore this week. The Ravens have one of the best defenses in the NFL, number two in yards allowed, number two in points allowed, but the Bengals scored 34 when they beat Baltimore back in Week Two. What do the Bengals do that allows them to have more success than most teams against Baltimore offensively?
1: Well, particularly in that first game, Dan, it was tempo. You know, they they really went up tempo. Uh, they had Baltimore's defensive linemen tapping out, tapping their helmets. They had to come out of the football game. And when you go up tempo, it makes the defense go to. Um, fewer defensive looks. You know, it's like they have to go more base, more vanilla, maybe a couple of different packages, but not as many as they would if they had a lot of time to substitute and run personnel on and off the football field and get real creative with their blitz packages. They did try to blitz, though, Andy Dalton still. And uh, Wink Martindale, it was Blink Martindale, he got out of that blitz package, and and Andy got the ball out of his hand and just abused the blitz. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, They took a three-score lead very early in that football game. A.J. Green had three touchdown catches with less than 17 minutes gone in the game. You know, less than two minutes into the second quarter, he already had his his third touchdown reception. So they really, really came. I think they surprised them with their tempo. That's why this rematch is going to be interesting to me. Will Martindale play coverage or, or will he play, you know, blitz? Like that's their personality. That's who they are. They've had success with the numbers that you talked about. With their blitz packages. So it's like, are we going to be the Baltimore Ravens or do we have to be somebody else because Cincinnati handled us so well when we were the Baltimore Ravens? It's going to be interesting to see what the chess match is going to be like and who's going to blink first again.
0: The Bengals don't know who the Ravens starting quarterback is going to be on Sunday. Joe Flacco has a sore hip, so it could be him or it could be rookie Lamar Jackson, the former Heisman Trophy winner from Louisville. Who would the Bengals rather face?
1: I know who I'd rather face.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Joe
1: Flacco with the bum hip. Because you know what you're getting with Joe Flacco. Like you said, they they've performed well against Joe Flacco. He, going into the the first matchup, he had thrown more interceptions against the Bengals than he had against the Browns and Steelers combined. And he threw three more in the first game against the Bengals. So it still might be the case. And uh, you know, I, I would rather deal with that. I'm in that guy's head. Lamar Jackson's so much unknown. You know, I mean he can He can improvise and create. His best plays might be uh, when he's freelancing after the play breaks down. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily the play that was called. It was the play he made after the play that was called. And as a coordinator, it's so frustrating because you have everything done. You have all the coverage done, and and all of a sudden he breaks a tackle against somebody, and he's off to the races for 25 yards with his athletic ability. So I think think I'd rather go with the – the thing that I know more about than the complete unknown that's Lamar Jackson
0: 25 interceptions in 20 games for Joe Flacco against the Bengals all right last thing people often ask me the following question what's your favorite place to broadcast a game I typically say Baltimore huge booth great location outstanding fans crab cakes in the press box dining room most of the time it's a great atmosphere to do a game I'm going to ask you the question same question What's your favorite place ever to call a game, college or pro? Jerry World.
1: Man, the network booth for Jerry World is unbelievable. It's like a penthouse condo. There are two bathrooms in that. Two bathrooms in a broadcast booth. I've never seen it before. I guess a his and hers in case there are females in there. I mean, I literally, they, the TV screen was already there. You know, I'm I, I thinking, man, I could pitch a cot and live here. It, it was Unbelievable huge huge it was two or three times bigger than anything i'd ever been in and and very well done and it's it's the location is awesome i mean it's it's a perfect place to watch a watch a football game I was distracted though by the by the big you know uh, screen, the jumbotron up top. I mean, it was so big, your eyes just wandered up there. I, I usually like just watching the game more, but my, it was like a magnet pulling my eyes up to look at the jumbotron. But that that place was amazing, and the food was good, boy. I mean, the, they had some barbecue, they had they had some good good eats. So, I that was a pleasurable experience. I could have stayed there a week. <laughs> it was awesome
0: two bathrooms we don't even have one in our booth No. sometimes at halftime it's a mad dash to beat the line no doubt
1: no question i mean i i I thought all i need is a shower i mean there are two johns here i'll maybe i'll maybe just cash in one of the johns for a shower i mean the place was unbelievable really was
0: thanks lap when hugh jackson left the bengals after the 2015 season to become head coach of the cleveland browns you would have had a hard time finding a single player, coach, or administrator with the Bengals that didn't think Hugh would be successful. You can add my name to the list. Well, we were obviously wrong. Hugh's record in Cleveland was 3-36-1. If you throw in his one year as the head coach in Oakland, Hugh's career record as an NFL head coach is 11-44-1. That's a winning percentage of .205. Of all the head coaches in NFL history that have lasted for at least 40 games, only one had a lower winning percentage. That's Burt Bell, who coached the Eagles from 1936 to 1940, and old Burt couldn't be fired. He was the owner. Now, I don't know if Vince Lombardi or Don Shula would have won with the talent that Hugh had in Cleveland, but it obviously didn't work out, and now he's back with the title of special assistant to the head coach. Hugh met with Cincinnati Reporters on Wednesday, and here are some of his most interesting comments, beginning with a description of what he'll be doing for the Bengals. Whatever this organization needs me to do,
2: whatever Marvin thinks I need to do to help him, to help him be the best version of himself. Uh, to help whether it's offensively, defensively, special teams. I'll do whatever they need me to do. So, uh,
0: offensive included.
2: Well, no, it's not. I mean, I'm not going. It's anything's included. If Bill okay. wants to bounce an idea off of me, no doubt, you know. But anything I can do to help and assist this organization, I'll do. Feels comfortable. Feels. No, it does. It does. It just being here feels comfortable to me. These, are, like I said, these are people that I know and respect. Um, I think they're some of the best at what they do. I'm talking from top down. Uh, obviously, you know, the team, uh, they'll be the first to tell you they didn't play as well as they wanted to last week. Uh, we got, you know, some huge games coming up starting this weekend. And now uh, we're looking to get, get the uh, football team back to where it needs to be. You're an assertive guy.
0: How mindful do you have to be of not stepping on toes here?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm here to help. You know, I'm not here to nobody's job. You know, I'm here to help and assist. You know, I'm still going to be me. And I think everybody respects that, you know, I, I'm going to bring energy and have fun and and um, have a good time out of practice and do everything I can. But at the same time, I'm very mindful that, you know, I'm a I'm a helper here. That's what I
0: am. Do you need this view you as opposed to just like going to a beach?
2: I like beaches, but I'm not a beach guy this time of <laughs> year. You know, I, I seriously, I do. You know, I'm not one that um, likes to not work. You know, a lot of people like to do it that way. Not me. I I like to be on the grass and coaching players and being around players. So why not? And especially when it's an opportunity to come back, it's like being home. You know, this is like being home with people that I know and respect and trust.
3: How do you see Marvin, you know, uh, kind of embracing this? He hasn't done this in a long time. Uh, What's he been like Tuesday? Wednesday, yeah, I've been in
2: those meetings with him. He's uh, he's getting after it now. He understands what needs to be done. He has a plan. He's, he's different than he's been as a head coach. I'm not going to say he's different. You know, he's got a little bit more on his plate right now. You know, he's got to go make those game day calls. So uh, it's going to be fun for him. It's going to be fun for me watching him do it. You know, because he hadn't done it in a while. But at the same time, he was one of the best that ever did it. So I mean,
3: you're kind of intrigued with that. You haven't really. Am,
2: haven't really you haven't really been around when he. Yeah, playing. I'm I'm excited to watch him do it. You know, because it is different. Let's just be honest. Marvin's competitive just like all of us are. So I think he's
0: looking forward to Sunday. When you were like going to Cleveland, people here instantly began speculating will Hugh be back in Cincinnati. <laughs> Did you wonder if there might be something? I want I was hoping that there would be
2: something because again as I said I would want to be some place that, that I you know respect everybody in the building and people who know me, know me personally. And again it's it's a tremendous opportunity for me and I'm just thankful you know, that they said, hey, Hugh, come on home. Here's an opportunity for you to come and help, and uh, let's go.
0: As a coach, in what ways can a, a new voice or a new voice in a new role impact a team?
2: Oh, it's, it can be impactful, but it can also hurt, too. You know, and I get that. So I just have to, you know, like I said, play my role to the best of my ability. I don't want to do anything to upset anything that they have going on here. But at the same time, if I can help, I do want to help.
1: Do you wish you never left?
2: Do I wish I never left? No, I don't. I think uh, the experience in Cleveland was good. You know, regardless of what the record was, I mean, it was an opportunity and an experience. And, I you know, you can't get those back. I think I'm a better coach for it, you know, having gone through it. But at the same time, you know, nobody wants to have that kind of record, you know. But I'm looking forward to being here, uh, helping this organization win and getting this
0: uh, organization back to where it needs to be. The last time Hugh was part of the staff in Cincinnati, the Bengals tied the franchise record with 12 regular season wins and might have finished with more if Andy Dalton didn't break his thumb with four games to go. That season, with Hugh serving as offensive coordinator, the Bengals averaged 26.2 points a game. This year, they're averaging 26.1 under Bill Lazor. That's despite an offensive line that is much improved from last year, but it's still a work in progress. One of the newcomers up front is right tackle Bobby Hart. And this week, he talks shop with Dave Lapham.
1: All right, Bobby, offensive line, Baltimore Ravens, always a big challenge. I mean, their their mentality is pressure. Their mentality is blitz. You guys cooked them. I mean, you you, you threw them out of the blitz. You guys made a lot of plays, big plays, against that blitz, and they, and they blinked, they flinched. Going to try to do that again?
4: The main thing that we did Uh, in the first game was communicating. I feel like that's the biggest thing, you know, just like you said, they like to throw a lot of things at you, a lot of pressure, a lot of blitzes. So to me, communication is just the best, the the most important thing that we, you know, do from the receivers to the quarterback, the entire O-line, making sure the O-line, the back's on the same page so we can pick up those blitzes and pick up those pressures. And you have a quarterback that can recognize. I mean, he sees a lot of things. He sees some things
1: pre-snap that usually are, are true. Sometimes, you know, everybody's going to get fooled from pre-snap to post-snap. But his percentage of recognizing pretty early and making a play is high, and he? he's a smart guy.
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, in New York, I had the the opportunity to be with Eli, and uh, he's you know he does a great job of doing that. So coming here and seeing Andy doing the same the same things that Eli does just recognizing things get you out of things get you into things it's just they're definitely on the same level so uh, I had something to compare it to Andy does a great job you're you're a young man, but you got a lot
1: of NFL experience. I man, you got a lot of NFL reps under your belt for a guy your age. In fact, I don't think I know anybody that's got as many reps at this stage of their career as you do. How, how advantageous is it when you're going into a stretch run? You know, seven games, four of them against division opponents, division rivals. Every game's a big game. Pressure weeks. How, how big an advantage is all the all the experience you've garnered?
4: Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely an advantage man. It's it's like anything else, you know You can talk about doing it and you know, you can be on the board and be in practice and you know Do all the other things but until you get in the game actually get those reps, There's nothing like it man. Like you just alluded to I've, I have a lot of them over my four years and I definitely you know Watch film of you know where I was and where I am now and just how I can learn always trying to get better So it's just always something that you can go off of They get to uh a couple of guys their last name starts with
1: S the S boys you know they got Suggs and Smith and yeah. they're tied for the team lead with five and a half sacks they they come off the edge they're the edge guys and Suggs will he'll, he'll come off of both edges right. so you've played against them how good a player is Suggs and you, can you compare him to anybody that you played against
4: before uh, yeah I mean I feel like Suggs is uh, kind of his own class uh, I kind of comp- kind group grouping with a guy kind of like Nick Perry in Green Bay that I play with uh you know, they have they, they have good speed and stuff, but you can't just, you know, just think that it's just all speed because that's what they want you to do so they can use their power and things like that. So you have to, you know, you play the game with them and, and it's a give-and-take game, you know, with those guys' chess match and things like that. But they're great rushers, uh, Smith and Suggs, you know, coming off the edge, giving great moves, you know, working counter moves and things like that. You definitely have to have your head on and just be on your game going against those guys. You got Joe Mixon, even though he's missed two games, is, is 10th in the NFL in rushing. Joe's a
1: talent, man. Yes. How important is it to get to get Joe off against this Ravens to stay balanced? So you got to
4: run it some, right? Feed him, man. Feed Joe, man. <laughs> I'm definitely on the feed Joe train. 100%. Uh, that's my guy, man. He's a great talent, man. He, Missed two games and a bye weekend. He's top, still top ten in the uh, in the league. Man, just goes to show you. And then you know what he can do out of the backfield and things like that. He's uh, works in pass protection. He's definitely in, in my eyes, just you know, all around back that can just do it all. And uh, I'm definitely on the feed Joe train. <laughs>
1: so you and Redmond, have had a few games now. You you missed uh, playing next to him last week with the hamstring issue that he had, but looks like uh, all all things- green light go for right. this one but working against w- with each other and against you know looks that you've seen now you have a little uh, repertoire of experience right. against certain
4: looks how much better are you guys getting on a week-by-week basis uh, man, it's, we were watching film uh, i want to say uh, it was actually the first baltimore ravens game and just some of the stuff that we were just doing uh that you know a play could have went for five went, went, it did go for five yards but you know, just things that we know now how to get that play to go for ten, twelve. Hopefully, break the big one. It's just, uh, you know, it means the it means the most. And like, like we talked about earlier, it's just, you know, that game experience, knowing that you know when we're sent by each other in the meeting, and we see that look. We're just like we know what to do now. So, it's 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 awesome. So we talked about you know Frank and your
1: thoughts, uh, Frank, earlier in the season when we when we t- chatted. But now, Frank's rules. You know, Frank Frank's got rules that. One rule covers a lot of things, a lot of right. different looks, a lot of different configurations they can do defensively. Yes. How how pleasurable is it to play in a system like that now that you're, you know, nine games in coming up on game number 10? Oh, man,
4: it's it's awesome. It means the world to everybody on the offensive line. I've been in systems where, you know, it's, uh, you know, playing and you got 40 different looks that the defense can give you. And it's like, uh, you know, Frank's big thing is that he wants us to play fast. So I feel like that's why uh, he simplifies it. You know, we got rules. We got base rules that cover, you know, pretty much everything. Like you just said, week nine the season is, you know, the things that we started in the season it's not about to change. So I, I, I really appreciate that. And it means a lot as an offensive lineman when you can, you know, and you know, you know, because this is your rule. You're not guessing. And you could just play fast. And uh, that split second is, you know, that's an eternity in football. So it, it, it's definitely good. Final thought and appreciate you carving so much time for me.
1: On the road, you've been on the road in loud places, man. You've been in the in the NFC East. Now yeah. here you are in the A C North. I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy in Baltimore now. You know, they love their football. How important is it to try to make that crowd sit on their hands, get off to a good start and quiet them down, man?
4: Man, uh <laughs> It's, you know, it's you don't even really pay attention to the crowd, man, where you're in the groove of things, man. You're going on silent, snap, uh, you you communicating and stuff like that, man. Honestly, me, I love being in those environments, man. I remember when we used to be in Florida State, we go to Death Valley, and, you know, those would be some of the funnest games, you know, because it's like you got to, you have, a you know, a test. Can you quiet the crowd? You know, and I kind of look at it like that. Can we get this, take this crowd out of it? And, you know, it. it you know, they might start off, you know, rocking and things like that. But as the game goes, if you do what you're supposed to do, you know, you, you nullify it. So it would definitely be a challenge that, you know, I feel like we're all looking forward to. And I can't wait to get to Baltimore. Thanks, Bobby. Good luck. All right. Thank you. I appreciate
0: it. Lap mentioned how young Bobby is. He's in his fourth NFL season, and he is less than two months older than rookie center Billy Price. Hart started training camp at Florida State when he was only 16 years old. Now time for this week's Know the Foe segment. Former University of Cincinnati football and basketball player Brad Jackson is the ideal expert this week. He's a member of the Baltimore media covering the Ravens, but in his playing days he was a linebacker on perhaps the greatest defense in NFL history back in 2000 in Baltimore when Marvin Lewis was the coordinator and the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Brad joined us on the Bengals Game Plan Show.
1: Brad, you, you can speak to Marvin Lewis's ability to be a play caller as a defensive coordinator better than anybody because you you know you you played for Marvin Lewis. What do you expect out of Marvin Lewis when he uh, rolls into Baltimore on Sunday as a play caller on the defensive side of things?
3: Well, well, first and foremost, you know, obviously you talked about my relationship with Marvin. He, you know, he changed my career. We did great things. We we set records on defense that still remain and obviously won the Super Bowl in 2035. But a lot of what's going to happen now. And to Marv, I know throughout the years in Cincinnati, a lot of people were complaining. He was actually excellent as a leader to to not get involved in defense probably as much as I would have liked and probably as much as he probably would have liked. But that's, that's what leaders do. That's what real great leaders do. They don't meddle in things. And, you know, he would have his suggestions – but he would leave, you know, the defense up to them or, you know, whoever, or Pauly or whoever was out there. And now that he's the coordinator, his name is on this. And right. we heard Hugh Jackson, who obviously, you know, was fired and a former Bengals coach but fired from the Browns. And, you know, he's going to be back helping out. Um, you heard him say, you know, obviously after he was fired that if he's going to go down, he'd rather go down with what he did best. And he probably should have, you know, had more involvement in the offense and maybe he would still be in Cleveland. I don't know. You know, but what I can tell you is that there will be a greater intensity from the defense. There will be a greater sense of urgency, and there will be a tremendous amount of increase in focus from the players because that's what Marvin Lewis demands from your players to do your job. I know Bill Belichick gets a lot of credit for it, but Marvin Lewis started that, you know, far, far, way back in 1998 for me when I got to Baltimore uh, after leaving University of Cincinnati of doing your job and paying attention to the detail and then going out there and playing your butt off. So I fully expect that the way this defense is going to come out this Sunday out here in Baltimore at the M&T Bank Stadium, uh, you're going to see an increase of intensity, an increase in urgency, and a greater attention to detail.
1: Yeah, that's I couldn't agree with you more. In, in conversation with John Harbaugh today on a conference call, you know, I said, boy, there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of unknown in this football game. What kind of adjustments will Marvin Lewis make from a defensive standpoint? And then on the other side of things, who's going to be your quarterback? And Coach Harbaugh just kind of chuckled and was like, "Yeah, that's that is interesting. Who is going to be our quarterback? You know, he's not going to about to, he's not about to divulge anything, but." What do you think? Do you think it's Joe Flacco with that uh, bum right hip? Do you think it's Lamar Jackson? And, or, and, and who will will RG3 be up uh, if Joe Flacco has that hip issue? And I guess I look at it. If, if Lamar Jackson and RG3 are both the quarterbacks, your game plan is going to be similar than if Joe Flacco is a quarterback and then Lamar Jackson has to go in uh, for Joe uh, for um, Joe Flacco. That, that's two different kind of schematics. I mean, it's kind of an interesting dynamic at quarterback. How do you think it unfolds, man?
3: Well, well first and foremost, you're right. And, and Marvin Lewis said it great today in a conference call out here that we heard, which is what he said. He's not really worried about who John Harbaugh is going to put out at quarterback. He has to worry about the Cincinnati Bengals. And that goes to what I just said last where you have to take care of your business. You have to handle your job. I don't care because throughout the course of a game, say Joe Flacco does start. Well, guess what? In every game this year, the Baltimore Ravens have ran maybe 8 to 12 to 15 plays of this new little kind of quote-unquote wildcat, whatever you want to call it, where Lamar and Joe Flacco are on the field at the same time. Right. So you still had to prepare for that. And you're 100% correct, Lap, where – if it's RG3 who hasn't even been active all year for the fans out in Cincinnati that, you know, obviously don't follow the Ravens as closely as, as I do, he hasn't even had on a helmet and shoulder pads on since the preseason. Right. So I highly doubt that you're going to start him. Is it possible? Yeah. But he hasn't had any of those reps because behind the closed doors, Lamar Jackson has been getting all the reps with the number twos and he's been, you know, they've been pushing him along little by little. So, I don't expect Joe Flacco to play Sunday. Um, I think it's going to be Lamar. They just don't want to tell Marvin because they know Marvin, as great as a, a designer of blitzes and schemes that he has been as a coordinator in this league, that he's going to dial up some things. And trust me, no matter who's playing quarterback, they are going to have to change some things from what occurred when the Bengals beat the Ravens in Cincinnati early in the season. So, you know, they just have to take care of themselves, no matter if it's Lamar, no matter if it's RG3, or no matter if it's Joe. So, you know, Harbaugh is not going to give it away. He kind of cost the flack out here uh, because, you know, last Friday on, on the 9th at 5 p.m., they did a Washington, D.C. style kind of like media drop at 5 p.m. on a Friday during the bye week when the players were already gone out of town that Joe Flacco's next start would be in jeopardy, which was nine days later. So, and then today he comes out and he says, I'm going to address this right now. I'm not answering one question or any questions." And we don't feel we have to answer to anyone. Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of PSL owners, and sweet holders, and fans that are kind of like, "Well, you told us last Friday Joe Flacco's right. hurt, but against uh, the game against the Steelers, he didn't miss a play, and he finished the entire game in that loss uh, a week and a half ago here in Baltimore before they went on the bye. So, I honestly think it will be Lamar Jackson. He has struggled obviously since the preseason. That he talked about it himself, where he was throwing a lot of ducks. Uh, his exact words, because he was having to adjust to the NFL football is different than the NCAA football. So he was having uh, struggles adjusting with the grip and the throw. He's worked some of those things out. But you best believe that no matter what happens, no matter who's quarterback, the Cincinnati Bengals, whether you're a linebacker, you got to stay in your gap. Whether you're a defensive end, you got to stay, you know, keep contained. If you're a tackle, if you're a spy, corners, got to keep their eyes, have good eyes. You have to do those things defensively, whether it was Joe Flacco, or whether it's Lamar Jackson or RG3.
1: No doubt. Talking about the Ravens defense, uh, which you know a lot about. You were you were a participant in your career with the Ravens defense. Very very historically proud, a lot of tradition. I mean, blue collar, gonna smack you around. Very physical. Second in the NFL in yards allowed. Second in the NFL in points allowed. Big difference this year though. 34 takeaways last year led the league. 22 interceptions led the league. This year, seven takeaways, third fewest at this stage of the season, just five interceptions. What, is, is it just oh, that's how it is in the league? You know, they come in bunches, or is there a reason for it in your estimation?
3: Well, I, I think you're right. I think it's a combination of both. You know, two years ago here in Baltimore, that was a big complaint that the Baltimore was near the, the bottom of the National Football League in turnovers. And then last year they turned it around – this year, talking to Wink Martindale, who obviously was the linebacker coach when I was at the University of Cincinnati on Rex Ryan's staff uh, when we were in college, and is now the defensive coordinator here in Baltimore. Right. You know, talking to him weekly, they're they're working hard. They're they're doing all the things in practice. They just haven't had an opportunity to get their hands on the footballs, and part of that is they're not getting the pressure that they were getting early in the season with the front seven. So. They're still, you know, when they went to Tennessee and they had 10, 11 sacks in the game, you know, quarterbacks just aren't turning the football over. They're not throwing it up there. So, unfortunately, they haven't had an opportunity uh, to make as many turnovers as they would like. But I agree with you. He's talked about it. We've talked about it. i talked about it with Chris Hewitt, former Bearcat, who is the secondary coach here in Baltimore. And he, you know, flat out said they, they firmly believe that, you know, they come in bunches and they just have to continue to work at it. So by them not getting to the quarterback as much and not putting as much pressure to force those, you know, turnovers in the secondary, you know, they've played solid, but they still haven't had their chance and opportunity to get many uh, interceptions because the balls, quite frankly, haven't been thrown down the field as much uh, deep against the Ravens, and the other side of it is, you know the people that they played Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, they just took advantage of the, the the linebackers. Which to me, and you know, pains me to say as a former linebacker here, the linebackers have kind of been lacking in coverage here in Baltimore. C.J. Mosley is a great pro bowler. we all know that. He's got to get a huge extension, but the last couple years, his coverage, which is kind of what he was known for, hasn't been what it's been. I know he's been fighting through some injuries and that sort of thing. But everybody's injured, and you got to go out there and do your job. So. Um, it's one of those things that I'm sure the Bengals hope that they don't get on get on track with getting turnovers this Sunday here at the big crab cake downtown I'm sure the Ravens hope that they find a way to get some of those turnovers to take the pressure off Lamar Smith and try to give the offense as many opportunities and try to put points as possible
1: One final question, appreciate your time, I'm kind of up against the clock but I need to ask you besides Flacco, any significant injuries that uh, might be a concern for the Ravens in this one?
3: Well both tackles you have uh, Orlando right. Brown uh, junior obviously that right tackle he was kind of nicked up uh, Ronnie Stanley was out last week they're not sure he was limited in practice today so right. For the Bengals, that has been that could be an advantage and it's been a disadvantage for the Ravens in the last couple weeks because the injuries on the offensive line, they haven't been able to protect Joe Flacco and they haven't been able to consistently get any type of running game going.
0: Our thanks to UC Athletics Hall of Famer Brad Jackson, one of the most passionate former Bearcats you will ever find. He recently traveled to Cincinnati for the Bearcat basketball game against Ohio State in order to be there for the reopening of Fifth Third Arena. And I would love to see Brad Jackson's name on the Ring of Honor at Nippert Stadium. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. And if you have a minute, please give it a rating or leave a comment. Your feedback is always appreciated, and five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.